Happy Tuesday here on the EP Podcast. Thanks for joining me each and every day. I am Austin Horton. Check us out on 1280thezone.com slash ep-podcast, the Zone Sports Network app on the on-demand section, in the on-demand section, or of course anywhere you find your uh, your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google, wherever you get them, uh, you know, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, that's where you'll find us, the EP Podcast. It is a top 10 Tuesday, which means we don't have a lot of time to goof around. We got 10 stories to get to, so let's go ahead and kick things off. As you know, each and every Top 10 Tuesday, we've got this nifty, difty, that's not a word, but this really cool spiffy wheel that uh, spins and has the 10, uh, well, has nine of them on there because every week, story five is something random and weird, but it's got nine of the 10 stories on there. We spin the wheel. No expenses were spared when we purchased this wheel, and that's what determines the order we do this thing in. So let's go ahead and spin the wheel and see what our first story of Top 10 Tuesday is. All right, the NFL Draft coming up on Thursday, and there's going to be a few NFL Draft stories here on a Top 10 Tuesday, but they've been showing uh, at-home setups for the the various general managers and team facilitators ahead of Thursday's draft and a lot of them are very sophisticated and very up-to-date and very futuristic and they've got monitors and computers and all kinds of technology around them and then you get to the New York Giants GM Dave Gettleman and it is just him sitting behind the family couch at what appears to be like a card table with a laptop that has a corded mouse attached to it and a big old binder, paper binder. I'm talking hardcover, three-ring binder filled with thousands of sheets of paper. That's what he's doing to prepare for the NFL draft for the New York Giants. Now, he might make us all silly, look silly, I should say, to mock him for doing it that way. Perhaps he'll have the best draft of anybody. I'm guessing he'll have the worst draft of anybody because in 2020 you need to have the technolo- technology going especially in a virtual draft like this is going to be on Thursday and, and beyond where it's all going to be remote it, 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 you've got to be able it, your 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 landline your three ring binder from 8th grade art class and your Fisher Price my first laptop is not going to cut it the New York Giants are in a bit of trouble All right, story two, uh, sticking with the NFL, Rob Gronkowski, everyone knows the lovable, affable, party animal Gronk. Uh, he retired recently from the NFL, missed all of last season with the uh, New England Patriots. Well, now that Tom Brady has moved on to Tampa Bay, there's all these internet rumors flying around out there that Rob Gronkowski might be interested in teaming up again with TB12 down in the beach city of Florida. He joined Andy Cohen on his late night show via the internet and surprised some people by fanning those flames of the rumors he might return. People are bowled over by some rumors of late that you could be brought out of retirement and reunite with Tom Brady on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that a, is that a, are there any real conversations happening there around that? And you want to know what's so great, man? The day that I retired, within 24 hours, there was already rumors that I was coming out of retirement. I'm feeling good right now. Um, I'm happy where I'm at. And you just You're never done. know, man. You just oh, never, never know. know. You never know. I'm not totally oh, done. I like to stay in shape. Oh, but I got to get that feeling back. 
You heard him say it right there. He Now, actually, you didn't really hear him because idiot people were talking over him, but the quote was, the day I retired within 24 hours, there was already rumors I was coming out of retirement. I'm feeling good right now. I'm happy where I'm at. And you just never know, man. You just never know. You never know. I'm not totally done. I like to stay in shape, but I've got to get that feeling back. That means Rob Gronkowski is coming back to the NFL. Brace yourself for it. He's going to be back more than likely with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, from the world of NASCAR, Dale Earnhardt, I'm not a big NASCAR fan, never have been, has never really appealed to me. Uh, We could have that debate, are the athletes or not? I'm not really interested in that. But uh, I I do recognize the skill that it absolutely does take to be good at that uh, profession, at that sport, if you call it a sport, or or whatever you, the, the, the hobby, whatever you want, whatever name you want to put on it. NASCAR is not for me, but they're really good at it, and I recognize their greatness. Therefore, because I'm not a big fan of it, I don't really know any of these guys all that well. Dale Earnhardt Jr., I know, is the son of Dale Earnhardt. And we all know about uh, what tragic death Dale Earnhardt suffered on the, on the racetrack, and so therefore I know a little bit more about Dale Earnhardt Jr., but man, he earned some big time points in my book with this comment. He, he and his wife recently revealed on social media that they're having a second girl. And as a girl dad myself, to steal a term from the late Kobe Bryant, as a girl dad myself, these comments from Dell Earnhardt Jr., grab your tissues, you're going to fill it well up behind your eyes here. Dell Earnhardt Jr., a good man, it seems like, and uh, excited for him and his family. Here's what he had to say. So, Dale, you revealed on Instagram this week that you guys uh, found out the sex of your second yeah. baby. Um, so after the camera turned off, what, what was your responses? What did you and Amy talk about now uh, that you know that you're going to have a baby girl? Well, we have – so I'll say this. We have a name. Um, it took us forever to figure out Isla's name. It was like a, the very – last few weeks of Amy's pregnancy is when we finally decided on a name, but now we have a name and it came really easy and, uh, and, uh, feel great about that. Um, you know, I mean, you, you go through a lot of emotions about, um, you know, I know a lot of people were hoping that we were going to have a boy and, um, and so you, you you know you think about those things and i'll be honest with you and, and i know that a lot of people are gonna i don't know how people will receive this but i was really not that it, i was really not i was worried i'll say i don't know i gotta choose my words wisely here i was super worried about having a son um the expectations and and the ho- you know people's hopes of who he would become or might become uh we're going to be just really unrealistic and, and challenging and um, at times even unfair maybe. Um, and so there was a part of me that was uh, a little nervous by that, you know, having a son and, and, and being the focus of, of, of how I raised him and who he was and who he was going to be. Um, and I'm sure I was overthinking the hell out of that, but, there is a love and and a and a and a feeling about being the father of a daughter that I just I can't even hardly put it into words. 
Um, Al is, you know, Al, Al is now just in the last probably several weeks constantly saying how much she loves me. She's, you know, con- you know, she loves her daddy and loves to be up against her dad and, and wants her dad to put her, you know, tuck her in at night. And, um, there's, it's just a most amazing thing. And, uh, to have another, to have another dose of that ingredient in the household i'm all about it right and i can't and then so i love you know amy's great isla's great we're gonna add to that we're gonna bring more of that into our home and i just can't wait because it's made our home so amazing uh me and amy were doing great and having a blast but isla's been such an amazing addition to our home as far as the love and the family atmosphere and so forth that we experience together and we're just going to increase that um and the other thing too was, uh, when I was, I don't know when it happened. Maybe you remember Mike, but there's a point in the pregnancy where it dawns on you and you're like, now I can't wait to meet this person. It doesn't start. It didn't, it didn't like when you find out you're pregnant, you don't feel that way right away. Right. You don't start going, Oh, come on, get here, get here, get here. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to meet you. Hurry, hurry, hurry that's not what happens in the first few weeks or even first few months. But at some point it's just like a switch where you're like, all right, I'm out of patience. Who is this person? What do they look like? What are they going to sound like? What are they going to talk like? What are they going to do and how are they going to be different? How are they going to look different and feel different and act different? You just can't wait. You start to get really impatient. And as soon as we got that test and learned of that information, it became real. It became, it, it became more human and, and, and the impatience showed up and, you know, now I'm starting to, you know, now I'm talking to it and, and, uh, trying to do all the things. Cause I, we, we did that with Isla. I tried to talk to Isla while she was inside Amy's belly and trying to make, you know, if it matters, it matters. If it don't, it don't. But it, I think it helps if she recognizes that name cause or never recognizes my voice. Cause when she comes, when she's delivered, right, she's going to go to this little table um, and they're going to start cleaning her up and I'm going to be there talking to her. Right. And if she hears a, you know, she want her to hear a familiar voice when she's laying there going, what's going on? What is this? <laughs> Who's so this bright. person? So bright. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I try to talk, I'm starting to talk to her now because all this, you know, that all that, that light switch happened as soon as we found out the, the sex, it's like, Oh, it's, it's a, it's a girl. It's a, it's a, it's a real human being. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So cool, man. Uh, well, listen, I, I don't know who I wanted you to have a son, but I, I could speak for myself. I was as a card carrying member of the two daughter club. <laughs> I was happy. I was ecstatic when I found out that you were going to be in the club with me. Yeah. And so um, I ain't nothing like it, man. And I, I'm so happy for you and Amy. I'm, I'm happy for Isla. She's going to be yeah. an awesome big sister. That's right. Um, it's, it's just going to be fun, man. I can't it's God. Wait. Yeah. It's God's plan. It's, yes. you know, it's, it's what's intended for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to make sure that these two individuals become the best they can be. And that's my role. And, um, you know, whatever the future holds, if we, we don't have any more kids or we do, I don't know. Uh, and that's that. I mean, I'm just riding the ride, man. It's been amazing. I can't wait to like, it, it just rolls right out as soon as I think about this little girl that we're going to have, I just keep saying it. I can't wait to meet her. I can't wait to meet her. Cause I remember when I, when I met Isla, it was just the best feeling ever. So yeah. good. So I can't wait for that again. And yeah. That's awesome. 
Yep. Well, I am uh, in my 30s and I'm still daddy's little girl. So that will never change. You're going right, to have that. I, You're going to have that for I'm forever. ready for double, t- double of that, right? Two- <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, my wife jokes all the time that I used to always be afraid to have girls. Uh, but I am so grateful that we had a daughter. Uh, and she matches a lot of what Dale Earnhardt Jr. was saying there about his daughter. Uh, she's very much a dad's girl these days, and it is the absolute most beautiful gem of a blessing that one can ever experience to have such unconditional, brilliant, bright, shining love uh, that just comes to you unconditionally and constantly. Being a girl dad is the absolute best. All right, back to the NFL. The Chargers re- became the latest NFL team to reveal new uniforms. And uh, the I don't, I'm not really big into uniforms, but you all know probably about the turmoil that the Rams have received. They've rolled out like three different versions of new uniforms because every time they re- roll one out, it just gets killed on social media and by their fans and by everybody else out there. And I like this little shot that the Los Angeles Chargers took at the Los Angeles Rams in their uh, latest uniform rollout video. Since 1960, we've been rolling out some of the best uniforms in the game. Like this one, and this one, and who could forget this one? Think we can't top those? Think again. Because this is about doing something bold, fearless, taking something you love, and bringing it back to the lab. But how do you improve on perfection? First, you start with the design process. Nah, who cares? All you need to know is we took the best and made it better. Pretty funny there by the Los Angeles Chargers. However, you still should have stayed in San Diego. Stan Kroenke, you blew it. All right, we're halfway through. That brings us to random story number five in the top 10 Tuesday list here on an EP podcast edition. Uh, this from Uber Eats has released the most ordered food by state during this whole pandemic. So the, the food that has been ordered the most and delivered the most through the Uber Eats app per state. Uh, I'm not going to give you all 50, but I'm going to give you some of note. And then, of course, I'll give you Utah. Arizona, the number one ordered food, French fries. Colorado, carne asada fries. Connecticut, burrito bowl. You've got Hawaii, barbecue mixed plate. Indiana, waffle fries. Uh, You've got Maine, cheese pozzo bread. Ooh, that sounds delicious. It's essentially pizza with cheese. It's a cheese pizza with no sauce. Maryland, egg, bacon, and cheese bagel. Massachusetts, uh, just a burrito. Missouri, Crab Ragoon. Okay, Missouri. Montana, enchiladas. You've got the North Carolina nachos. Oklahoma, spicy tuna roll. Getting some sushi delivered in Oklahoma. Uh, Rhode Island, a hot dog. South Carolina, french fries. Tennessee, pad thai. Texas, pad thai. Virginia, french fries. Washington, french fries. Wisconsin, Crab Ragoon again. And Utah, the number one ordered food and delivered via Uber Eats since March in the state of Utah, carne asada fries. Us in Colorado right there with the carne asada fries. That surprised me. Surprised me for sure. Uh, so there you go. The, uh, the, the most ordered food and delivered via Uber Eats since March in the state of Utah, carne asada fries. 
Yannick Ngakwe, probably not your most household name from the NFL Players Association, but the uh, the defensive player for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the co-owner, Tony Khan, got into it on social media. Apparently, Yannick Ngakwe has requested a trade, and he added Tony Khan on Twitter, said, Stop hiding. Tony Khan responded, I'm not in hiding, sir. I'm in isolation, getting ready for the draft. I've been pretty active on social media in isolation, but you wouldn't know that since you unfollowed me again. To which Yannick Ngakwe replied, since you're feeling mighty today, let's both let the world in on the truth. We had been we been had a discussion that the Chargers game was my last game, yet you try to backdoor the situation without answering any of my camp's calls. SMH, you spoiled bra, hoping holding up people for no reason, clown emoji. Tony Khan replied, It's a new regime here, sir. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of the contributions you made here. That said, tweeting insults at me won't get you traded any faster. Only good trade compensation will do that. Please redirect your efforts into a more productive outlet. Yannick Ngakwe, just trade me. I don't need the speech. Tony Khan, show me the compensation. I'm sure you're really driving up the price today, by the way. Not all is fun and games in Jacksonville Jaguars uh, territory, but man, I am really enjoying the little, uh, as Jake Scott calls it, the purse fight that <laughs> Yannick Ngakwe and Tony Khan are having right out in the open for all of us to behold and see there on Twitter. Uh, Tony Khan, though he's right, Yannick Ngakwe's agent needs to step in here and say, Yannick, you want to get traded? The Jaguars are not going to trade you for a ham sandwich. They need some compensation coming back. You need to be quiet, let the compensation rise. You'll get traded sooner than later. However, if the Jaguars are just stringing them along, that's not good business either. All right, I loved playing uh, Madden football, the video game growing up. Uh, it was I played it so much on the on the PlayStation 2. That's how old I am, kids. I played PlayStation 2. But I played that disc into the ground. Marshall Falk was on the cover of the disc I constantly was playing. And uh, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, he's going to be on Madden NFL 21's cover. As you know, there is a Madden cover curse. Lamar Jackson on the curse said, It's always been a dream of mine since I was a little kid. Since I first started playing Madden, it's dope. I have every Madden to me to be on the front of it. It's a dream come true. He also said he isn't worried about any curses associated with being on the cover of Madden. Quote, Patrick Mahomes is on the front and he won Super Bowl MVP, Jackson said. I want that curse. I hope that's a curse, close quote. Well, he might be right. Perhaps curses are silly and not real. But here's a list of players who were on the cover of Madden and experienced a quote-unquote curse. Garrison Hurst, first play of the divisional game versus the Falcons after he was on the cover. He suffered a bad ankle break. His team would go on to lose the game. He did not play again until 2001. Barry Sanders, a week before training camp began in 99, Sanders abruptly retired, ending his career and leaving the Lions without their star running back of the previous 10 years. Eddie George, this one hurts me as a Titans fan. The season following his appearance on the cover, during which he averaged only three yards per carry and rushed for career lows of 939 yards and five touchdowns due to a nagging toe injury. It bothered him the entire season, and for the rest of his career, he never averaged more than 3.4 yards per carry. Dante Culpepper, he struggled with turnovers in the first 11 games after being on the cover, throwing 13 picks and only 14 touchdowns. A back injury ended his season in the 11th game. As mentioned, Marshall Falk 
It, the season following his appearance on the Madden cover, Falk suffered an ankle injury, forcing him to miss five games, and he never again rushed for over 1,000 yards. Michael Vick, he was injured during a preseason game after he was on the cover, suffered a fractured right fibula. Michael Vick played in only the last five regular season games, and a couple years later, of course, we know about his arrest for the involvement in a dog uh, dog fighting ring. Ray Lewis of the Ravens had a terrific season after being on the cover of Madden, but as a team that uh, won their division the year before, did not make the playoffs the year after Ray Lewis was on the cover of Madden. Donovan McNabb, 05-06, in which he was on the Madden cover, McNabb suffered a sports hernia. Still played, though, until after the November 14th game against the Cowboys. During that game, McNabb was knocked down after an interception returned by Rory Williams, aggravating that injury. He had then elected to have a season-ending surgery that was required to repair that injury, and the Eagles' season was already lost at that point with them finally finishing 6-10 and and in dead last place of the NFC East. Sean Alexander, he missed one start in his previous 64 contests before being on the cover. He played in 63 of his previous 64 games, then was on the Madden cover, fractured the fourth metatarsal in his foot, missed six starts, failed to rush for 1,000 yards for the first time since the year 2000. Vince Young, again, Tennessee Titans, man. He was on the cover of NFL Madden 08. He had a quadriceps strain after game one, after a game, rather, against the uh, on October 14th against the Buccaneers, causing him to miss on one game. But the following year, he lost his starting job and we know what what a mess his life has been since then. Troy Polamalu, he's on the opening of the uh, on the, he's on the cover and on the opening game of the season, uh, Troy Polamalu suffered a sprained MCL. He was out until he returned to play against the Bengals, where he hurt his MCL again, and that caused him to risk the miss the rest of the season. Peyton Hillis breakout year for the Browns in 2011. Rushed for 1,117 yards and 11 touchdowns. Because he had such a breakout year, boom, selected to be on the cover of Madden. In 2012, he played in only 10 games, started only 9, missed time with hamstring injury, strep throat, and a sprained hip. Finished the year with a dismal 3 touchdowns and 500-some-odd rushing yards, less than half of what he put up the previous season. Calvin Johnson... Surprisingly retired, still in his prime, just after, two years after being on the cover. Adrian Peterson, on the cover, indicted on child abuse charges. Richard Sherman, on the cover, spent the offseason following his appearance on the cover with Tommy John surgery. Odell Beckham Jr., after earning cover athlete honors for Madden 16. Beckham gained national scrutiny for his performance versus the Panthers, blah, 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 blah. He had injuries, he had problems, inside, outside the locker room, on the sidelines, in the games. Odo Beckham Jr. has been a mess ever since. Rob Gronkowski, we know what he's, we talked about him a moment ago. Antonio Brown appeared on the cover of Madden NFL 19, was traded from the Steelers to the Raiders, never played in Oakland for being disruptive, later signed with the Patriots where he played one game before being released because of horrible rape rape allegations and he was also charged with battery in those. He's no longer in the NFL. And then, as mentioned, Patrick Mahomes, who Lamar Jackson brought up as a good example, he suffered a kneecap injury in Week 7 after being on the cover. Yes, he went on to be the Super Bowl MVP, but he suffered a kneecap injury after being on the cover. So, Lamar Jackson, I hope all the best for you. I don't believe in curses, but I kind of believe in curses. 
All right, let's stay with the NFL. The last uh, there's this piece on for the win from USA Today about the last 25 first overall draft picks in the NFL and where what ended what ended up happening to them. I wanted to take the just a handful of the busts. I think I wrote down eight busts of the last 25 and just wanted to talk about where they were. 1995, Kijana Carter drafted number one overall running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. Never amounted to anything in the NFL. Other running backs that were available that year, Hall of Famers Curtis Martin and Terrell Davis. Tim Couch drafted number one overall quarterback by the Browns. Never, ever did nothing in the NFL of note. Other quarterbacks that were available, Donovan McNabb, who went the pick after him, and Dante Culpepper. The Browns again, Courtney Brown, pick number one overall defensive end, widely renowned as probably the worst draft pick the Browns ever made, worst uh, bust that ever was for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Brian Urlacher was there in the first round, Hall of Famer. David Carr went to the the Houston Texans their first year as a, uh, a franchise. Not good. Not a great career. Now, they absolutely needed a quarterback, and looking at the quarterbacks of that draft, he was probably the best choice. It was ugly for quarterbacks that draft. Uh, but Ed Reed, Hall of Fame uh, defensive back, he was available in the first round. They went with David Carr. Jamarcus Russell, first overall pick to the Oakland Raiders. Terrible, 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 terrible career. Uh, but not a lot of great quarterbacks that were available in that draft. However, Calvin Johnson, wide receiver, was taken in the first round after Jamarcus Russell. Sam Bradford was taken overall in number uh, 2010 by the St. Louis Rams. We know his quarterback career was way shortened by a ton of injuries. That was a bad pick. However, it was not a great year for quarterbacks in that draft. You had Tim Tebow, no longer in the NFL. Jimmy Clausen, no. Colt McCoy hasn't really amounted to much of anything. Jonathan Crompton, John Skelton, Rusty Smith, Dan LaFever, Tony Pike, Levi Brown, Sean Canfield, Zach Robinson. Ah, bad year for the uh, quarterback needs. They took the best one available. It did not work out so well. Sam Bradford, a bust. Then you've got the Andrew Luck draft 2000 what year was the andrew luck draft 2012 2000 uh yeah 2012 andrew luck goes first overall to the uh, indianapolis colts it came down to essentially him or robert griffin the third andrew luck had so many injuries he just retired he was a complete bust was supposed to be really good never really got his feet under him because of injury complete bust robert griffin the third hasn't been that great either other quarterbacks that year uh, Brandon Whedon, no. Brock Osweiler, no. Nick Foles, okay. Kirk Cousins, all right. Ryan Lindley, no. B.J. Coleman, no. Chandler Harnish, no. Trent, or, uh, and then we get to Ryan Tannehill, just signed a big deal with my Titans. Yay. But Russell Wilson, the 75th third-round pick. He should have been the number one pick that year. Andrew Luck, no. Russell Wilson, yes. Sorry, Indianapolis Colts. And then finally, Jameis Winston, he went number one overall. Uh, He was down to him, Marcus Mariota. Not a great year again for quarterbacks. But it might be a little too soon to say he's a bust, but last year he had more interceptions than picks, or more interceptions than touchdowns. In fact, Jameis Winston had more interceptions last season than Aaron Rodgers has had his entire career. I think he's been a bust. So there you go, the last... Uh, 25, eight of the last 25 first round, uh, f- first overall NFL draft picks that have been absolute busts, in my humble opinion. 
All right, we talked a little bit about the Last Dance documentary, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls thing. Here's seven quotes from the first two episodes of The Last Dance that everyone's talking about. Uh, there was this moment where uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, uh, Michael Jordan, has this foot injury, and he's being told that nine, t- nine out of ten, 90%, he's going to recover. But there's that 10% chance he doesn't recover, and he wants to go through with it and try to take that risk. And Jerry Reinsdorf says, look... If you've got a headache and I give you a bottle of pills and there's 10 pills and I tell you that one out of those 10 pills will kill you, nine of them will give you the headache, would you do it? And Michael Jordan's response was, it depends how bleeping bad is the headache. The other quote uh, that's been going around, uh, you know, I'm not going to do, do all seven of these, but I'm going to share some of them that, was, that were pretty funny. Larry Bird talked about the 49-point game performance by Michael Jordan only to be followed up by a 63-point game performance. Quote, that wasn't Michael Jordan out there. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan from Larry Bird. Uh, there was this moment where there was a, a moment in France preseason where the, the Bulls were uh, taking part in a preseason uh, tournament, and there's a media member who's interviewing Michael Jordan and then all of a sudden pulls out something and says, would you mind signing this, please? <laughs> to which Michael Jordan just rolls his eyes, looks away, and some media handler comes over and puts him uh, in his place. Then we've got uh, James. This was maybe my favorite quote. James Worthy, incredible legend at North Carolina, college teammate of Michael Jordan's, talking about uh, Michael Jordan as a freshman there and says, yeah, I was, the, I was better than Michael Jordan was for about two weeks. And that was the end of that. So some great, some great comments, some great quotes so far from the first two episodes of The Last Dance. It's not been an amazing show so far. Hopefully it gets a lot better because I'm about to give up on it. And that brings us to our final story of the Top 10 Tuesday. The draft, as we mentioned... They, they're doing this uh, virtual draft where GMs are in their offices at home, wherever, piping into the draft. It's going to be virtual. It's going to be over Zoom or whatever. Well, they ran a mock draft to see how things were going. And according to Diana Rossini of ESPN, quote, I'm texting with multiple coaches and GMs who are on this mock draft call, and everyone is saying the same thing, bandwidth problems. There are many communication issues. Text from a GM during this mock draft, quote, there are early communication issues because 32 of us GMs are on conference calls and we didn't hit mute. Sounds awful. Adam Schefter says a text from a participant in the mock draft. Mock draft today, already technical glitch with Cincinnati's first pick. Brutal. Vince Bonazur, looks like there are some early bugs that need to be addressed for the mock draft. Hard to know whether some of the issues are on our team's end or a league end. A source texted me while a little while ago. And then also this from Diana Rossini. Asked a coach to describe the mock draft. He said, you got the NFL main room that only main people in the organization can log into. You then got 15 to 20 scouts, coaches on another meeting. You have to find a way to call prospects after you pick them, sign off on trades, lots of moving parts. After the start, it's running smoothly. It's quite, it's quiet actually on the call, says another head coach on the mock draft. So the, the, the truth is, it's probably going to be messy. It's probably going to be... Uh, there's going to be some glitches. Hopefully no one loses their pick. But I would anticipate to see some fireworks, some drama, and some moments that we'll be talking about for decades to come on the NFL Draft just simply by the nature of it. it's never been done this way before and it's about to get real messy. That's going to do it for a top 10 edition of the EP pod, uh, top 10 Tuesday edition, I should say, of the EP podcast. 
So grateful to have this moment to talk with each and every one of you every single day. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing, clicking, liking. Find us on Facebook. I forgot to mention earlier, the EP Podcast Facebook page. Would love to see you like that, follow it, and share it. All right, that's going to do it. I'll see you on a Wednesday. Until then, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> My wife and I are late to everything. It's a big problem in our relationship. It's at a point now where if we, have to be, if we have to be somewhere at 6, she tells me we have to be there at 5.30 in order to trick us into being on time. And it never works. And the reason why it never works is because I'm not the problem. That's why it doesn't work. <laughs> All tricking me does is make me mad for an extra half hour every time we're running late for something. We were running late for the movies. I went to check on my wife, and she was painting her fingernails. And my initial response is anger, because it's dark in a movie theater. No one's even going to know what you've done. We, we could paint your face before we head out tonight, and no one would know. But I don't say anything, it's my wife. It's the woman that I picked out of all the women on the planet to spend my life with. And I'm a little concerned at how few of you laughed at that. That was, that was meant to be a joke. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Picked out of all the women on the planet? Most of the women didn't even have a chance to interview for the position. I picked her out of a different group. I picked her out of the women that live near me and would say yes if I asked them to marry me. It's a much smaller group. It still means something to me, you know, I love my wife, so when I see her painting her fingernails, keep my mouth shut. I just accept this is the life that I've chosen for myself. I live a life where I never know what's coming soon to a theater near me. And then I like to see what color she was painting her fingernails, and she was painting them clear. And then my brain exploded. Are you even doing anything? Because it looks like you're pretending to paint your fingernails. If you need me, I'll be in the front yard mowing it with a bubble maker. You let me know when you're ready. I got so many bubbles to pop out here. She told me she painted some clear because it makes her fingernails shiny and she likes them to be shiny. And I support her in that decision. I want them to be shiny too. I just feel like we could have achieved the same results by ordering popcorn at the movie theater. One large popcorn, extra butter, no napkins. We got a look we're going for.